Hi, this is Jim, your GM. Welcome to episode zero of Gemini City. This is an actual play in the Masked Universe. This episode will be our introduction to the world and our brief introduction to our characters and team. Uh, enjoy! July 20th, 1969. Neil Armstrong steps foot on the moon. That same moment, teenage girl awakens. Gaia was young and optimistic when she discovered her powers. She made the persona of Gaia and her costume to match. She created armor out of Earth and shaped her mask in that of a tree. Gaia, Earth. She would embody it and protect it. The other kids waking up with her were not all so idealistic. One or two of the others wanted to help the world, but most chose to live normal lives. The remaining, though, went on to use their powers for a terrible and destructive end. The walking volcano was one such man. Gaia clashed with the volcano time and time again, and after years of fighting, Gaia had had enough, and swore that the next battle would be their last. She tricked them into meeting her at a remote location at sea, and when they met, the earth shook and lava poured out of the ocean. Fire and rock shot in every direction. In the end, the volcano was enclosed in hundreds of square feet of stone, unable to harm another soul. But the battle had an unforeseen consequence. A small island had erupted from the Pacific, where none had been before. Summer, 1979. Gaia creates a floating prison for powered people in the middle of Pacific. After days of caring for these inmates herself, she decides to draw up a second island to house and support full staff of personnel for the prison, Castor and Pollux. The twin islands of Gemini City were born. Castor, the support island, took in refugees, powered people, and anyone willing to move to the middle of the ocean. The city grew, and as powered people moved into the city, many others followed suit. Great minds, people trying to make a difference, and those just trying to make a buck. The city flourished. As Castor began to expand, needing more and more land from Pollux, Gaia continued to grow the islands in an effort to keep people from moving too close to Pollux prison. Eventually, though, even she couldn't keep up with the expansion to meet the needs of the new people moving into the city day after day. And with more people came their varieties of lives and needs. Not just powered people moved to the Twin Islands, but refugees. People out for a new start. And some more unsavory characters just trying to escape whatever jurisdiction was after them. These people coming to Pollux for an escape or a new chance would prosper, but they would never attain quite what the people in Castor have. Some pasts couldn't be outrun. February 29th, 1984. After settling down with a non-powered person, Gaia gave birth to twins. Their names, like Gaia's, are secret to this day, but when they came of age, they would become Apollo and Artemis, the Earth-powered twins. Apollo had the power to move and destroy Earth, Artemis with the power to move and create Earth, two parts of a whole. They would each take on half of their mother's signature mask. By 2004, Gaia could finally retire, knowing her children were able to take up the mantle. Winter, 2009. Gaia passes away, and the world grows a little darker. In the years that follow, more and more powered individuals and criminals would emerge. The heroes would begin to have a harder time keeping up with incidents and crime. An accident was bound to happen, and eventually it did. A power, left unchecked and untrained, lost control in Portland, Oregon. The incident was dubbed the Meltdown. The city was decimated, and the UN had had enough. They would go on to create the Portland Accord. The Portland Accord. All people will be tested annually beginning at age 12 and ending at age 18 for active power genes. Anyone found with active genes will be required to attend a licensing academy. If said person cannot afford such a place, the UN will provide one. Anyone who cannot be properly licensed and given control of their power will be deactivated and returned to their family. Those with money, influence, or a power strong enough would go on to train at the Hero Academy of Castor. 
Those who couldn't afford such luxury would attend the UN Academy for Powered Individuals, UNAPI. Both schools would employ regular people, military people, and retired or active heroes. The divide in the ideologies of the islands continues to grow every day. Castor picking and choosing potential heroes to create a city in a certain image, while Pollux will take in anyone who needs a home and works to create a community. Apollo and Artemis begin to find themselves on opposite sides of this conflict, each to watch over a city. Apollo thinks Castor will lead the world into a bright future, and Artemis believes Pollux will bring humanity into a united front. As this divide grows, where will our squad of heroes find themselves? I will cut in a bunch of other monologue nonsense here, and we'll start with Eric. Unless Eric's not ready, and then we'll start with Bones. I'm just Um, glad you're not starting with me. Mostly ready. What's the name of the shitty island in school, though? Uh, The shitty island is Pollux, and the shitty school is, like, Pollux Academy. Okay. Pollux Public Academy or some shit like that. It's PP2. Pollux Public Place. (laughs) <laughs> we just call it PP. I'm Patrick. I play Eric, aka Ragnar, aka Ragnarok. Uh, he is a tall drink of water, a thin drink of water. Um, that's what all the ladies looks, say. That's what all the ladies say. Exactly. Uh, he's a thin he's, drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> he can be seen wandering around Pollux, uh, just the whole island. Uh, he's got a series of secret caches of drugs and alcohol that he likes to enjoy. Um, he looks like most punk kids. Uh, he's got short, messy, blonde hair. He's got a leather jacket, jeans, all the good stuff. Um, and when he is Ragnarok, he changes into what can only be described as Renfair Reject. Um it's got to be the with best way, description costume I've ever heard. With way too many pockets, uh, a big-ass hood uh, that he uses to hopefully hide most of his identity. Um, he has the Nova uh, class pack. That's not what it's called, but that's what I'm calling it now. Um, <laughs> which he has used to take control of what can best be described as Viking magic. Um see uh he is a weird guy he cares a lot about his friends even though he doesn't always try to show it tries to keep i forget what it is um sorry because i chose something about that all right and write that down um he tends to bounce um he tends to bounce around a lot he Sometimes he'll be very outgoing and energetic. Other times he'll be frustrated and upset. He cares a lot about his friends, though. Uh, he goes to great lengths to try to keep them hopefully safe and taken care of and make sure that things go well when they do have to do dangerous or interesting things. Uh, as for his actions before joining the group, uh, he was involved in a number of smashing incidents around the city. Um, Describe a smashing incident. Smashing incidents are when Eric finds himself trying to help somebody or stop a bad person, and rather than like try to rein in his power, he just goes all out um, and 
creates a giant weapon of energy to try to stop the bad guy. Uh, To mixed results, a couple of buildings were destroyed isn't the right word, but it's it's close. (laughs) Who hasn't destroyed a couple of buildings? They they fell later due to unrelated incidents. It was on. If they were on Pollux Island, they might have very well fallen for unrelated incidents. Exactly. Unrelated incidents sounds very wrong. Um, yes. Also, any cool. fires that are caused when he's it's unrelated to him. So. <laughs> okay, uh, Bonesy. No. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I agree. All right. So I'm Chris. I am also present here. Uh, my character is Liv Cochran. Uh, her hero name is Bones, and she is the Reformed playbook. So she looks, I, I want to say normal height, which makes more sense in context of the rest of the group. Uh, <laughs> they're all monsters. The shortest one of them is like six two. Yeah. So like, I I don't know. I haven't like measured fifteen year old girls, but I'm gonna go ahead and assume they're probably would... around five foot five two. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say that's a good call, Chris. Don't go around and start doing that. <laughs> cool, sweet. She uh she has really long black hair. Uh, she's French and Native American. Uh, her costume is hot purple suit and a bone mask. And um, her aesthetic is like vaguely similar to Katra during the ball episode of Chira. Uh, so there's that. Uh, backstory. Trying to keep this short. But uh, so, like I said, she was part of the reform. She's reformed. Uh, she was once an erratic zealot for uh, did we ever name the volcano guy um i don't know if he has a name i thought it was uh, just volcano his superhero sorry his supervillain name is the volcano uh, okay jim was feeling real inspired never, that day sorry i shouldn't say we never gave him a real name you guys don't know his real name oh okay uh, and who knows if it will ever come up before this series ends chris uh so <laughs> put it in the credits she was in yeah. She was an erratic zealot for the volcano, um, caught and jailed in the infamous prison on Pollux Island, otherwise known as Poor Island. Um, upon an attempt to escape, she lost herself to insanity. Uh, once she reawoke, she forgot much of her past. Having lost much of her abilities and her nature, she was deemed safe enough for the general populace. Uh, to avoid negative attention, she goes to the school on Castor Island, uh, I'm going to assume it's called Caster Academy. Uh, that, like, alliteration is like, really it's like me. Caster Academy for the gifted. <laughs> In the cash. It's like got a fancy name, you know? Yeah, yeah. Wait, no, hang on. Caster Academy for superheroes. Cash school. <laughs> cash money. You are in rare form today. I am. Go on. I'm sorry, Chris. Wait, no, he's not. He's not sorry. Uh, so, to avoid negative attention, she goes to school on Castor Island, even going as far as to avoid, going as far as to cover her identity behind her costume. While carrying only traces of her previous life, she's not exactly a paragon of 
heroism. Still, she is part of a team, uh, if for nothing other than to make amends for her past. Uh, and then so the, for the cool thing that she did around town as a super, um, <laughs> and this will make sense to you as the viewer much later on, but uh, <laughs> she helped the ice cream man deliver ice cream when his truck broke down. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I have. Uh, no. Does it though, Chris? The ice cream district is a murder district. <laughs> Listen, I think we all know that the ice cream van is actually where he stores the bodies. Okay, uh, Ness? So my character is Vanessa Jones, a.k.a. Ness, a.k.a. Nessie, but never call her that because she will punch you, or her superhero name, the Viper, or just Viper. Uh, she is the transformed. Uh, currently what she looks like is she has, uh, dark black hair. It is shaved on the side. Um, when it was longer, she used to braid it on the side. Um, <clears throat> her hair, which is black at the roots, fades into bright green at the ends. She usually wears gothic clothes that complement her green eyes and scales that she got after she was transformed. Um, let me see. A little bit about her backstory is that she didn't come from a very... Uh, I'm going to try to keep this short. She didn't come from a very wealthy family. Um, it was just her mom, and she has like a bunch of little siblings. Like I say anywhere between 10 and 2 years old, like... Maybe five. Yeah, she's got five younger siblings. Um, before she got her power, she used to steal for her family. But once she found out that there was this laboratory that, you know, can help her get superpowers, she decided, hey, if I can get superpowers, I can help my family. Well, when she decided to do this, um, didn't really quite work out the way she wanted to. She ended up leaving the facility with scales and snake eyes and... She looked a little bit different, which at first bothered her, but at the same time, apparently this was her life now, and she had to live as Snake. Um, <laughs> um, so after that, um, I guess the first thing that ever caught people's attention as to her being like a superhero was, I guess, saving animals from traffic. You know, she was just very, she was quicker. Now that she had like the snake DNA in her, so she just would save animals that were running out in the traffic and she'd go like super speed, like slither out there and go grab them and people would just be like, yay! And she'd be like, what? It's just a dog. Run free, dog. Run free. Okay. No big deal. How do you prepare for that? So she. <laughs> There's no way to prepare for that. Things just happen. <laughs> And you just roll with it. You should be alarmed when animals are running into the street when you show up. <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of strays on my side of the block, so it happens a lot. We'll start with the sisters Jackson. We'll start with Mary. Hey, my name is Kelsey, and I play Marigold Jackson, and she is from the Bull Playbook. She is a real big strong girl <clears throat> she's about six foot one six foot two great big curly blonde hair generally wearing some sort of denim on denim kind of look 
Um, she's very strong. Uh, she's very powerful. And she's a real sweet, real sweet country girl. She likes to get along with people. She wants everybody to kind of be friends. She loves her sister. She loves her cousin. She's very friendly. And yeah. Well, what's one good thing she did? I feel like Mar Marigold was kind of like a Girl Scout. Like, she, not so much like she did a lot of super things as much as she was like, huh, help clean up this park. Do you need a whole bench or statue moved? That kind of deal. Yes, oh. dig it. Like, oh Lord, I've been on mute this whole time. <laughs> Jim has done that. <laughs> Bye. My name is Megan, and I'm playing Violet. And uh, she physically looks a lot like Mary. They're about the same height. Um, she has the same like blonde hair, but she just has less of it. I think she she keeps hers in more of like a like a crop stylish kind of look, as opposed to just a whole ton. So, um, a question yes. then. Yeah. If the fashion suddenly became like long hair, would she get like a weave? <sighs> Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. It's an important question, but go on. I'm not totally sure. Um, let's see. I'm playing from the Star uh, playbook. So she has like an online show where I assume she has a presence of some kind. And... Um, Let's see, one one superhero we oh, her her powers are um really like magnetic y, I guess. I can't think of a better way of describing them. Like electromagnetism. Yeah. Like kind of control electric fields and yeah, yeah, electricity. Yeah. Those words you just said. Um and I think her super suit is kinda like in card captor Sakura when it changes pretty much every mission depending on what she's doing i think her her outfit is going to change a lot uh, depending on like what someone might like what fans might have sent her in or what the mission they're going on is or just you know what's moving her that day um yeah we came up with the cool idea of having like feral liquid yeah with your costume yes and she'll kind of like use that either as a weapon or as a tool or as part of part of her costume but um a cool superhero thing she's done is a. Uh, this isn't very super heroic, but I think something that she really enjoyed doing when she first got her powers was to um, create little almost electronics chargey hotspots just with playing with where electricity was. She just made big wireless chargers. Yeah. Um, well, that could have saved a life at some point. I don't think that she really I've advertised it a lot as much as just like she needed to charge her phone. So she just played with the thing until it worked. Um so it was probably more self-serving than heroic, but it helped people. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. I'm Jim. I play all of the other characters, uh, including uh, Cody Jenks, who is Violet's manager and the team's kind of general go-to for getting into trouble. Uh, and I think that's going to do it for us. Hey, that was just a quick intro to the world and the characters. I hope you enjoy episode one and let us know what you think. We're at Gemini City RPG on Twitter. Thanks. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.